Hi, I'm Charlotte Jukes and welcome to MPLH In Conversation With, the podcast where we sit with influential and interesting people committed to enacting positive change within the beautiful game. In this episode, I speak to Romina Katalayud, CEO and founder of Girls United, a non-profit empowering girls through football. We discuss the tenacity it takes to build a non-profit organisation when you're still studying. I was um, waitressing in the day and just writing a business plan in the evenings. And taking the risks to follow the causes you most believe in. Does this empowerment through sport and through football specifically work across the board? Is this something that we can replicate across the world in different demographics? And what better test than like rural Mexico to, you know, the city of London. Romina tells us about how through Girls United, she has built a platform that works for girls globally. Respecting cultural differences and pinpointing some of the key areas where girls across the world tend to fall behind. I hope you enjoy. So Romina, thank you so much for joining us on the No Place Like Home podcast. We're really excited to hear all about your story. Um, if you don't mind just kicking off, where would you say your relationship with football first started? Um, so thanks so much for having me. It's really great to chat and be able to talk a little bit about what we do at Girls United as well as just uh, have some nice football chats. I know we're all missing it at the moment. So, um, so yeah, so I actually started playing when I was probably about three years old. Um, I have an older brother and older cousins who were very passionate about playing. They, I think all of them tried to go pro at some point in their lives. Um, so it was a big part of, of my family and kind of the community I grew up in. And um, yeah, I guess at that point, you know, I, I looked up to them, I wanted to play with them. And, you know, I also didn't really have a choice because it was that or going to to play by myself somewhere else uh so i i chose to play and, and i fell in love with the game there i think it was it was um it was something that became really important in shaping my my relationship with with football as you say uh just because um you know i was always the only girl uh playing amongst boys also the youngest um, and they were all pretty talented as well so i had to really fight for my way on the pitch really have to like stand my ground you know uh, often if we if we'd play like a little pickup match behind my grandmother's house in the garden or something with with the boys of the neighborhood it'd be a case there you didn't get the ball passed to until you 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 proved that you could be there and that you could actually you know play a bit um so I had to kind of always always deal with that and go out and steal the ball from someone before I got I got to kind of get more involved in the game um so, so yeah, so it was always really important part of my life. I played uh, just in different teams throughout and, um, and, and uh, all the way up to university. Awesome. And at what point did you get the idea for Girls United? You know, what was the spark for starting the organization? So I guess just as part of my journey, I met way too many girls that didn't have the opportunity to play or girls that had stories similar to mine. I think everybody that's sort of of our generation um, and older had that, that are girls that liked football had to play, you know, with boys or had to really like fight for their place on the pitch. Uh, I had a few, you know, at university, um, a few friends of, of the team had similar stories. I remember one of them even uh, had to dress up as a boy at some point in her life to be able to play on a team and these kinds of things. And 
it just was something that I was always quite passionate about. Um, the fact that those opportunities weren't there. And I think when I actually started to think of the idea for the organization and like a little bit more on, you know, on the ground, um, I was studying politics with a, a bit of a focus in international relations and development. Uh, I actually went, uh, had the opportunity to go to, to Uganda to do some teaching um, there with an organization, with an NGO. And, you know, I, I just recognized the power of football in communities. Um, you know, it, it's just such a universal language. It's such a powerful tool in different parts of the world. And, you know, particularly places like Mexico, where I'm from and, and the UK as well. Uh, they're just, it's, it's such an important part of society that it felt like it could be used for good. And it felt like it could be used kind of hone that power to, to, to use it for change in, in society and things that, that maybe go beyond the actual sport and, and, and we can see it in other areas. So I guess that parallel of, you know, there's inequality in terms of gender in sport and that's a pretty obvious gap, but how does that then translate into access to education or to employment or to, or to different opportunities? Um, and, um, and I guess in that space, I, I, you know, started to, to dream a little bit about what it could be, um, and, and, and how we could use that power of football for, for changing kind of the, the, the gender gap. You mentioned already that you don't just see football as important, you know, kind of within the game, but actually for the skills that it equips its players with particularly sort of with a focus on the girls that you've seen, what are some of those transferable skills that are grown and really nurtured on the football pitch that they can then take out into society? Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, any team sport and, you know, physical activity has so much to offer in terms of development as a person. You know, I, I think there's actually studies, I think it was EY who did a study and, 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 and came to the conclusion that something like 80% of uh, CEOs and directors, female CEOs and directors of different companies were athletes at some point in their life. And in some, you know, just, just the fact of it being a team sport, uh, you have kind of really, really important takeaways from sort of teamwork and, uh, and, and, and dedication and discipline and, and resilience. But I, I guess when we started to think about, you know, what Girls United could be, how it could impact these girls beyond that, and, and this kind of wider conversation around, around that gender gap, um, it became to me really obvious that, you know, we maybe live in a world nowadays where there are things in place that are trying to support more equality from like, you know, different laws that, you know, you know, women are allowed to vote nowadays and, and there's kind of different things in place on a, on a, on a big picture level for, for boardrooms to have more women or, or for, for different institutions to be more representative of society, but there's still inequality. Right. And, and I think for me, that comes down to something as simple as how a girl and a boy grow up differently when it comes to playing with a ball on the, on the street or just in their environments, in their playgrounds. Um, so I think, you know, if we think about that really ingrained, really like in-depth cultural and societal differences in the roles, um, that's where that inequality comes from, right? That's where that stems from is, you know, if when uh, I'm a, I'm a five-year-old and I fall over, if I'm a boy and someone tells me to get back up and keep going versus if I'm a girl and maybe I get coddled or maybe I get pulled aside and said, you know what, 
stop playing or, or, you know, just those different messaging from really young age. Um, and I guess uh, going back to kind of that, that question of what are those transferable skills at Girls United in the methodology, we've tried to hone in on really particular life skills that, um, that we can work on the pitch intentionally that we can like look to look to engage um, look look to engage the girls in in conversation around for example you know not just communication but assertive communication what is it what does it feel like to be able to respectfully but assertively communicate your opinion on something and have a voice and not just you know not along to things or, or, um, and I, again, like things like decision-making, how, how, how can I think about decision-making, um, so that, it, you know, I can, I can make, you know, have better planning for my future, have more ambitious kind of, uh, dreams, but then also, you know, in some of the contexts we work in, it's not just decision-making, it's almost the risk assessment that happens within that, right. And how they can, how they can be better prepared to face tricky situations that that might appear in their lives. So, uh, you know, anyone that's been on the pitch knows, knows what that feels like, you know, being there, having that camaraderie, that space, um, which is also something that we, that we love to talk about and, and build for the girls is, you know, uh, what, what does that space and that, 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 that environment look like for them as a developmental kind of opportunity. Um, but, but yeah, I think it's just, it's so fundamental to, to, you know, building as a person, not just, you know, with the actual sport and the physical side, but, but as, you know, off the pitch as well. Yeah, hundred percent. I think you use a really good analogy actually at the start that when you're growing up, you have to prove yourself to have the boys kick the ball to you. And sometimes it actually feels like that when you go out into society is that actually as a woman, when you first start in the workplace, it feels like a lot of guys have, you know, that confidence and breeze in. And actually, as a woman, often you'll look to prove yourself before you're then, you know, sort of considered having valid points or, you know, sort of being given that space to to contribute. So I think that is such a good overlap um, when you think about it. Now, you've spoken, obviously, the um, just a bit about the, I guess, the cultural and the social side of Girls United. Have you seen any differences between the Club Mexico and the Club England side of Girls United in terms of, you know, some of the barriers that girls might face? Or would you say that the differences and the, the difficulties are quite universal in the two geographies? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, um, just a little bit of the background on that. We, we launched the first clubs uh, out here in Mexico um, in the southeast of the country. And then um, about a year and a half into the programs, we launched the London Club. And, um, you know, we did, you know, we did that kind of two demographics. I mean, obviously, as an organization, we had links to both places and kind of the opportunity presented itself. But beyond that, I think um, what we wanted to understand and almost prove was, uh, you know, this, this that kind of alludes to your question around, you know, does this work as a concept? Does this empowerment through sport and through football specifically work across the board? Is this something that we can replicate across the world in different demographics? And what better test than like rural Mexico to, you know, the city of London, um, very different uh, contexts. Um, and I guess it's been quite interesting to see what those parallels are and what the and what the things that maybe don't don't overlap are. I think, you know, one thing that that has been super important that I've really learned uh, across both programs is 
that you know we can't uh, remove kind of uh, the consideration for the context and the very specific you know life experience that each girl has. Um, you know, there's definitely you can't you can't just um, kind of assume that that it's the same because because the day to day the challenges um, on a very on a very kind of superficial level are very different, right? And and how how the girls um, go about kind of their their lives uh, is quite different. Um, but having said that, I do think that there is a lot of parallels in the space of you know if I'm a teenage girl or if I'm a if I'm just a, a a girl who likes sport, there is many many parallels in what those challenges are. From you know maybe the pressure from society, the stereotypes, the the difference in opportunity. Um, there is definitely some kind of social challenges that that you know maybe in Mexico are more present and 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 that that we have to deal with a little bit more here than than in the UK. Um, and I guess it's just, yeah, there is differences in terms of, you know, what those challenges look like here and there. Um, but I think in terms of kind of the more internal journey of, of, a, of, a, of someone that's young and likes sport and, you know, um, even just like when we go into schools and when we've done school programs, it's quite interesting to see those parallels of, you know, a high school is a high school and a, and a, and a middle school is a middle school everywhere and the dynamics of, of uh, those friendship groups and, you know, whether uh, the, the changes that someone is going through with their bodies and with their kind of emotional, um, emotional development, uh, that, that's across the board. And it's quite nice to see that. We actually, um, we had the opportunity to take four girls from our Mexico program over to London uh, last year. And that was really, really special. It was, you know, the girls, they, they met the team out there. They played in a tournament together. And it was really wonderful because, you know, that's where you see kind of those parallels because at the end of the day, they had, they didn't speak the same language even, but they were laughing, they were playing together, they were kind of just getting on because they were just young, you know, women that like football and, and that was enough to kind of bring them together. Um, and and um, so, yeah, that was really special for me to kind of see that come together and see see them interact and and actually, I think it was quite impactful for both sides, both the the girls on the team in London, uh, getting to know someone from such a different context and, and equally for for the girls from Mexico who had never left the state to go to London. They actually went to France as well, watched the England-USA uh, semi-final, bit of a tough one uh, for the World Cup, um, tough one to watch, um, but really exciting opportunity for them and very life-changing. That's incredible. And to get that growth as well from, you know, sort of a real kind of idea catalyst to having girls under your organization, being able to travel across the world for some of them the first time um, too. So in terms of the growth itself, what was the journey? So obviously you kind of started out with the idea. How did you build the team? How did the idea come to life? I'd love to know the whole process. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so I was lucky in that um, I studied at King's College London in, in, in the UK and um, they have a really great entrepreneurship institute. And um, so when I was graduating, um, you know, I, I found out about it and they have kind of programs to support young, young entrepreneurs. Um, and so this is when I kind of was 
at a bit of a crossroads, you know, applying for all types of uh, jobs and, and trying to find out what came next in, in my journey. Um, you know, obviously there's a bit of a rush and a pressure when, when uni is coming to an end to get on a grad scheme or, or something of, of the sort. And, um, you know, I was doing some interviews in big corporates with, you know, heels. And there was a moment where I was kind of like, I don't know if this is me. I don't know if this is really what I want to do with, with my life. You know, if I could kind of get on, on this, on this train or on this, on this kind of pathway, um, and it coincided that I found out about the support that the Entrepreneurship Institute at the university had. So I spent a couple months um, drawing up a business plan uh, to apply for, for the support at the Entrepreneurship Institute. Um, you know, I was waitressing in the day and just writing a business plan in the evenings, uh, taking, t- doing some of my coaching qualifications as well and coaching in some teams in London. And then I, I presented the, the business plan to to the university and, and I got approved to be, to be on the program. And uh, I think that was, you know, a moment where I was kind of like, you know, you kind of don't believe it till that point. And uh, you know, I, up until then I thought my mom was the only one who would think this is a good idea kind of thing. Um, but once I got accepted onto the program, it was kind of like, okay, this is it. Let's try it. Let's, let's go out and do it. Um, and so from there, I um, very quickly started to just um, start to, to set up, to launch the first club. So that was, I got kind of accepted maybe uh, around January of 2017. And, um, and we launched the first club in June. So it was six months of recruiting coaches to be a part of the, of the programs of finding the right spaces, building the partnerships on the ground here in Mexico with the local government and going to schools to promote it. um, Just setting everything up to launch. Um, and then once it launched, uh, you know, we had that first inauguration day. At this point, I was the only person really um, doing this full time. I had a lot of support from kind of uh, different mentors and friends who were chipping in in different areas, uh, you know, from getting a, a website together and, and the design bit and all that, which was something that you know, I couldn't do myself. But I was the only person sort of doing it full time. And um, so I spent a about a month going to schools and promoting it in, in all the primary schools and secondary schools here. Um, and I remember the, the, the inauguration day, you're kind of there a little bit nervous, not knowing if anybody's going to turn up really. I had a, I had a, a coach with me who was from the UK. We had a coach from the U S a couple of coaches from Mexico. Um, and we were all there. We had a speaker, we had all the kit ready. And then the girls started coming in and, I think we had over a hundred girls that day. So it was really, I mean, I think from that point on, I was like, okay, I need to really think about what this is going to turn into, how we're going to make this sustainable, what the strategy is here, because, you know, there's real girls that, that, that want to play and want to have that opportunity. Yeah. And I think it's that moment, isn't it? Where you kind of get the rush of the excitement and then you think, okay, longevity, (laughs) how it's, going to be sustainable and actually I think when you have that missing piece which is the girls and you don't just want to give them one tournament you want to give them a sustainable football program and I think you have that moment where you just don't want to let them down perhaps they haven't had the environment where they can play with other girls who like football and I think that's the biggest thing you know I we see it in the UK we see it globally is that girls get to you know perhaps 
13, 14, and they haven't got a forum where they can play football safely. And it's very much like, okay, do you want to join the boys' team? Do you want to kick around with the guys? But also you can't play in the boys' leagues. And it's often the case that it feels like girls' leagues kind of just drop off. And actually to be an organisation that is really closing that gap is so important. Um, Obviously you do a lot with the community as well as kind of playing football. Could you talk about some of the projects that you've done with Girls United um, and the response that you've had? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I think you're 100% right that that moment where you see the girls is where you feel like, okay, this, you know, we got to be really smart about this because this, you, exactly, you don't want to let them down. You don't want to have to tell them, okay, that was it. Thank you for coming. Um, so I guess from that, in terms of the programs that we've launched, we have kind of our flagship, which is the club program which which runs sort of after school club um you know like a normal club would look like except that we have kind of this this uh methodology that we that we develop where the girls can have kind of the life skills learning and 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 create environments that are a little bit different hopefully uh for them to participate in um and that club program um is is as i said probably the flagship that's that's where most of our participants come from um, we try to make it really accessible in terms of, you know, girls who have never played before feel welcome at any age to come and participate. Um, and then uh, naturally, it's kind of evolved into also having those girls that actually want to compete, that want to play in, in more teams that are that are in leagues. So in London, we have um, four teams that that play matches, um, well, three three teams and and a little one that that that, that plays kind of matches occasionally um, for the for the younger girls um, and here in Mexico as well um, different some teams that play in leagues uh, here obviously there's a little bit less um, well yeah there's a little bit less of, of that competition availability so um, in terms of different programs that we've developed we've developed a little bit of a strand of the organization that is dedicated to setting up competitions uh, when there's a need for it so uh, we do kind of an international women's day tournament every year where uh, it's just a bit of a, you know, our, our aim is to have a place where, where women and, and also men actually at that tournament can come and play, but with the aim of kind of giving visibility to some of the, some of the issues in, in, in the gender gap in sport and beyond um, equally in Mexico, we do kind of an annual cup as well. Um, and then uh, in, ter- in terms of more partnered programs that we've developed, um, we've had some really exciting programs that we've done in partnership with uh, the London Community Fund, for example, where we've gone into schools um, and done programs for schools where we, we call it a trailblazer program where we sort of match a trailblazer coach with a trailblazer player uh, or a group of players. And um, it's really around giving uh female role models the opportunity to support younger girls and give them give them that visibility give them that kind of that person that they can look up to and say okay it's fine if i play football it's uh you know i i, I have someone that i can kind of um, look up to that's so important in kind of um closing that 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 playing gap um and um and so those partnered programs are a mixture of sometimes like we've organized some school leagues in, in Brixton um, with well in, and Oval area in Lambeth where where schools participate in in kind of a, a little a league. Uh, obviously, with the pandemic, we've had to adapt everything to go online. And and that's been quite an interesting um, 
quite an interesting time. I mean, obviously it's been exciting, I think in itself and that, you know, I think the coaches have done an amazing job of getting quite creative and building programs that are still football that are still, you know, uh, fun, engaging, but that can be done remotely. Not an easy, not an easy thing to do. Um, so, so that's been good. Um, and, and those partner programs hopefully will continue to grow. We have some cool things planned for this year in terms of supporting schools, um, engage more girls in, in football and thinking about the transition from participating in a school environment to participating in a club, what that journey looks like so that, so that we create players that are in it for the long run and, and won't, uh, won't drop out uh, when they reach a certain age or when they change schools. That's a big part of what we try to do is think about how we get girls to, to love the game in the first place so that they, they become kind of um, life, lifelong uh, footballers or just uh, uh, athletes. It's interesting. You mentioned, obviously, you have the, the Trailblazer program. And I think something that I've seen, particularly in the, the football scene in London, and I suspect probably worldwide, actually, is that we don't have many female coaches. Um, and actually, there's a real lack of females such as yourself in the infrastructure of football, not just on the pitch. Why do you think that is? Um, yeah, no, I think it's, it's so important. And it's such an important piece of the puzzle for things to continue to grow and, and to be sustainable and, and for there to be real change. Um, I guess it's kind of like everything, you know, if, if there isn't that, um, that opportunity, if there is barriers at each step of the way, I think, you know, in sport environments, certainly for me, as you were mentioning earlier, you know, if you're a, a, a woman who enters a sport environment, the amount of, of, of like, of hurdles you have to go, you have to jump over in terms of, you know, if you're around a table and for your opinion to be heard or for, for someone to take you seriously or to have to kind of prove yourself, um, as we were talking about earlier, I think is, um, is something that, that happens, it exists. And um, obviously that, you know, that makes it that much harder for, for, for there to be females at every level of the game. Um, and then equally, I think it comes down to the different, um, you know the different barriers that exist for players as much as for for the other roles from visibility of of people doing it and and making it in those in those spaces to um to to the right pathways in place uh for someone to know where to even start you know i think we did a we did a workshop over a, a year ago um for creating space in in the industry of football for women and um and, you know, a lot of the panelists, a lot of the, the different women that came to, to speak, um, you know, talked about, about this side of sometimes, you know, we don't even know where to start. We don't know what that first point of contact can be. We might be passionate about football, but, but not really have the confidence to say, okay, I'm going to try and go and apply for this job or I'm going to look for this opportunity. Um, so finding kind of those allies that are men and women in the industry that can open those doors is is so important um i think you know i'm really proud of the club and that the you know our, our our london manager and and the whole team forever i have been built an environment where those those female coaches feel welcome and they actually come to us to say hey i want to coach uh for you guys i like what you're doing and 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 of course you know the girls have have you know that the players have that space where they feel really 
you know, like, like it's something that they can do. We actually have had some players who have wanted to start their coaching journey. And I think, you know, it's part of that kind of full circle impact, which is nice. Yeah. And I think it's incredible that the organization has that cyclical nature where you have people not just coming in to play the game, but to actually build the game and want to instigate change as a result of their time um, with Girls United. And I think that's something that's so powerful and it is the sustainability aspect that I think previously, you know, kind of institutions have perhaps fallen short of is that they got people on the pitch, but actually have they got role models who are coaching teams? Do they have women who understand how it feels to be a girl learning how to play football? You know, do they understand the fact that, you know, for example, if a girl's on her period, that actually she's going to have a different experience of the game and actually, you know, kind of connecting the dots, which makes, the environment a lot more comfortable to be in as a girl and you're less likely to leave thinking I don't belong here um so I think that's you know it's it's really important to have every step of the the game included and I think you know girls united do that really really well now interestingly you did sort of speak about the pandemic earlier um do you think it's been a obstacle or an opportunity for girls united um and perhaps if it's been both you can sort of speak to both parts Definitely both. I mean, we, you know, we have to, we have to kind of, I mean, I think the obvious answer is, is that it has been an obstacle because of the challenges to not being able to have programs on the field with the girls and, and having lockdowns where, you know, we have to find other ways to engage with them. Um, so that's definitely been a challenge in that sense, but I guess, you know, it's brought with it some silver lining, some opportunities for uh, thinking about, about you know how how we build that community i think for me the the most um you know the 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 best uh, opportunity that's come of it is that i think we've really fortified our community in this space because of the pandemic i think the families that are part of the club have become uh you know a really important part of of getting of, of of getting through the pandemic for each other for the organization um, you know, they've been really, really great at, 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 at building that community feeling. And I think, you know, everybody's felt the need for a community during this pandemic and having, having to be in isolation. And it's been really wonderful to see the club, not just for those families, but also the coaches, the, the staff, everybody kind of come together and say, this is a community that is going to support each other. You know, every individual is, is important and, and how can we, how can we how can we be there even even if it's not on the pitch um, and then also it's given us kind of an opportunity to to continue to build on on those different um, different programs the different methodology the different kind of uh, areas of, of of giving visibility to women I think we've done a couple campaigns around speaking to different women in the industry and men and people who can bring kind of expertise in different areas to to the organization and that's been really really nice as well we had a a really great kind of um in in this in this side that you were speaking about like how do we integrate things like the menstrual cycle into into our programs and uh build workshops for coaches for players for families to 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 be able to talk about these things that sometimes are a little bit difficult to talk about or to integrate but to find the right way to do that and we've had the opportunity as a team to talk to the right people who can give us some information and build programs around that equally here in Mexico. Um, you know, there, there's some really uh, important and quite devastating 
challenges with respect to, to gender violence, for example. Um, so we've, we've done a lot of work and effort in building programs where we can uh, support the girls in knowing what their rights are and, and how to take care of themselves and, um, and being able to, to face those challenges. Um, and so ups and downs definitely throughout the pandemic. I mean, I, for one, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, a part of my week, my daily, my day-to-day -day work uh, is always kind of a combination of being behind the screen on the computer and being on the pitch. And I definitely get my my energy when I'm on the pitch with the girls. Um, so that's been a challenge to to not be able to to see them quite as often and and see and have that that time. But um, but I think we're you know we're, we're 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 managing to do something with the time and something productive with the time and find find a good outlet. Yeah, for sure. And I think it almost intensifies the the celebration when you are able to get back on the pitch and, you know, you see everyone for the first time and it's just that real relief, hopefully. Um, so, no, that that's super interesting. And I think what you mentioned there about, you know, teaching what can be perceived as very extreme subjects that are also very important for young girls um, and young boys as well, actually, to know about from a very young age. And actually, the subtlety that you can get through sports and, you know, saying this is wrong, you know, or, you know, that assertiveness that actually doesn't get taught in schools because it's very difficult to shoehorn it into a curriculum without it being, you know, perceived to be extreme. So I think that's very interesting um, and it's such an important thing to do as well. Now, with Girls United, you also have an ambassador scheme. Um, could you talk a bit about that? what it what it's all about and how you've chosen um you know sort of your ambassadors yeah yeah absolutely um it's it's a really exciting uh, also a big highlight of the pandemic months is is um we have an ambassador scheme with professional players so we currently have Vero Boquete who was uh, the Spanish captain in the 2015 World Cup and now plays for AC Milan and Caroline Weir who um who plays for Manchester City and, and Scotland International. Um, and, um, you know, I think for us, it's all about kind of, you know, one of the things that we've found super important around our work is how do we tell the stories of the girls who interact with our programs, of the coaches? Um, and part of that is also, you know, thinking from grassroots to professional, how do we help give visibility to, to the whole process, to the whole to the whole nine yards and and create those role models for our players uh, from athletes that have you know really great life stories and also are living living in that professional uh, environment and and how we can how we can use use their voices to inspire our, our girls and also to inform the direction that our programs go in and 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 understand the different methodologies and and the different things that work in, 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 de in developing the girls on and off the pitch. Um, so I think, you know, uh, the ambassadors that we have currently are, you know, it's been really great because what we look for is to have ambassadors who are genuinely interested in having an impact, you know, not just uh, for the sake of having an ambassador, uh, because it, you know, obviously it's great to have exposure and everything, but but we, we, we want people that are genuinely interested in being a part of our journey and having an impact in the girls and, and, uh, and understand, uh, you know, the challenges that, that they might face. And I think both Caroline and Beto have been um, just really great about, about um, 
getting involved with what we do, uh, you know, being being a part of of the programs uh, before the pandemic, we had the opportunity for Vero to visit uh, one of the sessions in, in, in London. Caroline, we have yet to have that opportunity because of the pandemic, but, um, but she's been involved online and, um, and, and hopefully we can do that uh, soon as well, you know, once, once uh, you know, the, the world permits it. Um, but um, I guess for me, it's, it's that side of, you know, these women have such great stories. Can we share their stories? And if they're interested in being part of this change and part of going, going beyond, uh, you know, the, the professional world to the grassroots, um, you know, I think that, that, that make that generates a really, really important impact. Um, and so, yeah, so hopefully, hopefully that's something that we can, you know, that we can work together on as, as an organization with the ambassadors. How did it feel when you were reaching out to, you know, some of the most iconic names in women's football and asking them to be part of your organization? I think for me, you know, I've throughout throughout the the process of of doing this, I've had to knock on a lot of doors. Um, I've had to kind of um, speak to people who, you know, um, of all, you know, different parts of the industry, shapes and sizes, and um, and it's always trying to kind of find the right way to communicate like the genuineness of what we're about and um and and um luckily with with caroline and, and meadow it's been um it's been a conversation that they've been quite opening open to and, and to hearing i think um we you know we it's always it's always important to to, to be able to get your message across uh when you're having those conversations i think um you're always a little bit nervous, a little bit uh, unsure of how how people will respond, um, but ultimately, uh, I guess I think everybody in the team really believes in 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 what we do, and and um, and you know we always think you know if it isn't if it isn't this person, it'll be the next, and and you know we we kind of we know what direction we're heading in, so that helps that helps to be able to to just communicate that and and um, hopefully recruit the right allies in, in doing so. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, you know, even the journey so far over a relatively short period of time, you've grown a lot. What's the plan going forward? Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's definitely been a kind of, it's gone by so quickly. And at the same time, there's been a lot that's happened. Um, we have a really exciting member of the team who joined a year ago, who's an Ecuador um, international. She played for for the Women's World Cup in 2015 as well, representing Ecuador. And she's out in Mexico. Um, her name is Mabel Velarde. And um, you know, along with that, we're hoping to be able to to launch in a few different countries. Um, Ecuador on the list uh, with with her support, and um, and then equally looking at at some other some other areas. Um, I guess I guess going forward, we want to just reach as many girls as possible in terms of giving them the right opportunity, uh, giving them environments that are unique and really bespoke to them. Um, obviously the London club and the Mexico club still have a, a lot of work to do and a lot of room to grow. Um, so we're, we're continuing on that. And, and we have some exciting partnerships that we can't just announce just yet. Um, for the, for this year, but um, keep an eye out because the, those will be, 
uh, announced soon um, for the London Club uh, in particular that, that will allow us to have kind of a bigger impact. So yeah, so just, I guess, you know, keep going, keep supporting girls and keep finding the right, the best ways to, to coach and to build those environments. Now, a couple more questions for me before we wrap up. If I were a girl turning up at Girls United for the first time, what advice would you give me? The first thing is, you know, don't, don't be afraid to dream and to just do what you enjoy. Uh, don't worry about the rest you know I think once you're on the field most things disappear except for the ball and the the players around you so I'd say um, find a space that helps you feel in that space in that zone of just being yourself um, I think that's something that for me is is really really important for the girls that that come and play for the first time is can we help them kind of find their voice and 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 feel like they can be themselves um, and in, in, in these environments. So I'd say just enjoy it. You know, it's, it's, um, it's really wonderful game and, uh, and it's, it doesn't, you know, I think it, it's wonderful that it doesn't matter if you make mistakes. It doesn't matter if you're not messy and as in like, you're not a professional, um, you can, um, you can just enjoy it in, in your own right. Amazing. And final question is for all of the MPLH listeners out there, how can they stay in touch and keep up to date with what you guys are doing at Girls United? Um, yeah, I'd say please do, uh, you know, follow us on social media. We're at Girls United FA um, in, in the different channels on Twitter and Facebook, Instagram. Um, and I'd say, you know, I think we, we're very open doors in terms of welcoming people into the community, into the family. Uh, we like to think of ourselves as not just a club, but, you know, uh, a network of, of fans, coaches, players, supporters who who believe in the cause of, you know, a world with with a more level playing field. So um, so please do just uh, stay involved, sign up to the newsletter if you want to get updates. And and, you know, um, there's there's always different different areas to get involved with, whether it's. Um, a tournament, whether it's coaching, whether it's volunteering, whether it's fundraising, um, or just hearing some of the stories and getting engaged to to some of the events that we organize. So, so yeah, please do, please, you know, welcome to the family and and as well for for the podcast and for the for the for the magazine. Um, you know, it's great to to join forces. Perfect. Romina, thank you so much for your time and for telling us all about Girls United FA. It's been fantastic to hear such refreshing views and give us a bit of a glimmer of hope um, at the moment while we're all stuck inside that it's going to be better on the other side. Yes. Awesome. No, thank you so much. It's been really great to chat. For more of our content, both online and in print, visit mplhmag.com.